Welcome to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio-podcast. Hosted by Peter O'Toole, sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. Today on The Microscopists... Today on The Microscopist, I'm joined by Michael Alberts, CEO of Carl Zeiss Research Microscopy Solutions. And he talks about the challenges of bringing together different types of microscopists. People working on electron microscopy and, and light microscopy, that their background is completely different. And if you want to really integrate them, that takes quite some time. And I, I actually, I under, under, underestimated the time it took. He shares what it was like for Zeiss microscopists themselves to receive the German Future Prize on the national TV. My, you know, all my family watched it and everyone. So, so you, you normally don't have such a reach with such a kind of a niche, still a niche, technology, right? And he talked about playing guitar and piano in a jazz trio. The other two of the band are still, they are professional musicians. So I'm the only one, I'm the only one who didn't make it. All in this episode of The Microscopist. Hi, I'm Peter O'Toole from University of York and welcome to The Microscopists. And today I'm joined by Michael Albert, who is President and CEO of Carl Zeiss Microscopy. Michael, welcome to The Microscopists. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Uh, very brave coming on today, but I, I will start with a thank you because obviously it's Zeiss who have sponsored these podcasts. Uh, and I know I've been trying to get you for a while and you've always declined, <laughs> but I'm really grateful because... I'm hoping today we'll see a different career path to many of the other career paths and different tracks. And I think that's really important. So I, I'm going to start maybe to see where these career tracks start. What was your degree in to start with? I actually did physics, like physics and mathematics studies for becoming a teacher, actually, originally. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to do this career. I did, actually. And then I, I, I found, like, it, physics was just fun. So I, I decided to do a PhD as well uh, in physics and then actually wanted to become a teacher, but but I wrote one application and that was to Zeiss. Uh, so I thought, yeah, let's let's just try it because, you know, it was a positive like interview. And and then I started with Zeiss, uh, always with not the target, but being open to go back uh, to school at some point. But but yeah, things changed and, and now I'm here. I'm, I'm very happy to, to have this career in Zeiss because I, I'm probably having one of the best, uh, you know, jobs in Zeiss, for sure. Well, I, I, well, I, this week, I guess, was a, a highlight. So I, I, I'm aware that this week was obviously the big technology awards in yes. Germany. Yes. Uh, so by luck, we've got you just after that. And uh, so Zeiss actually, so this was this, this award was uh, televised for national TV in Germany. Exactly. And the award was given by the president of Germany himself. And there were three teams. Uh, yeah. So, so I, from the record, the three teams were very diverse in what they were doing. So it went from a, I think, storage storage of energy for powering cars and, and using nighttime energy and daytime energy and using that through to, I think it was a lattice light sheet seven. Exactly. So, uh, so this, this is a future award. They call it a future award. It's not just technology, but it's, you know, technologies that have potential to, help society to progress yeah it was actually extremely extremely funny there yeah. it's really nice and uh so, so just tell us who won uh, obviously we we did no not obviously <laughs> i mean zeiss won already two years back at that time with the euv technology you know for producing semiconductor chips that was really strong actually and and last time it was uh, biontech with a vaccine for covid so this time we went there again and it just we didn't have you know, we didn't think we win, but but at the end we made it. It was really a great event. Yeah, and thanks for for coming over to Berlin as well and, and celebrating with us. Yeah, but Berlin was an awesome city. Uh, I actually thought the event itself, uh, regardless of the prize and the winners, I thought the, the the actual event was quite inspirational. And I think it's a shame that other countries don't have the same uh, profile where such a high-profile person is given the award, but it's on television. Because I think if you're a school child watching it with a parent, if you're a student at university or postdoc watching this, or even in a company watching this, you would be thinking, oh, my goodness, what can I do to win that award? There's still, thing, there's still so much innovation to be done. And that's what it really struck home. There's so much still to be done. 
I, and for microscopy to be highlighted uh, in such a way, I think shows the appreciation of just how important microscopy is in the world, not just scientific world, but just the world for everyone at the moment. No, it's true. And, and millions of people in Germany watch this, right? It's, it's basically nearly primetime broadcasted live in German, second, second program, German television. So yeah, all my, you know, all my family watched it and everyone. So, so you, you normally don't have such a reach with such a kind of a niche, still a niche technology, right? Microscopy is something people remember from school. I, I don't know, but, but how far this went over the past hundreds of years, that, that, that's cool. And, and people saw it. So we're really proud to, to win this prize, actually. Uh, it, it was grand and great for your Thomas, uh, Ralph, who, who were up there on stage. Uh, you said, again, you're thinking about their microscopy at school. You want to be a teacher. Yes. So what, uh, they're a high school teacher or junior school teacher? No, high school teacher. High and, school. and did you t did you actually start teaching? No, not quite. I mean, I, I, I played a lot of uh, piano when I was young and I gave piano lessons and I just enjoyed working with kids and, and, and teaching kids. And, and actually, I knew I, I thought about what can I do, what, what is reasonable to do. And I, I always like mathematics and physics. And, and then this a little bit, this teaching background brought me to the idea to to start studying. You know, I, I didn't have quite a plan, I must say. You know, I, I just started it and it turned out to be extremely, uh, extremely interesting, especially physics, especially physics, I must say. And I presume no regrets not going into teaching? No, no regrets. Um, no, for sure not. So I, I stopped giving piano lessons. I Just today, I, I, I did some practicing with my son on mathematics. So that, that's a benefit I can still do with my kids that are growing up, you know, <laughs> but that's the only teaching I get, actually. And how old are your children? They are 19, 18, and 15. Okay, so, so not dissimilar to my own. So, and, and, and three boys, boys, girls? Uh, two, two girls, one boy. Easy to handle? Uh, well, uh, depends on the phase, you know. In, in, I think on average, yes. <laughs> Could be much worse. <laughs> Okay, could be much worse. It's a very British type of thing to say. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> uh, so what? So so from your degree, did you go on to do a PhD? Yes, in physics, actually in quantum optics. So I, I was a lot in optics, um, experimental quantum optics. That was mm -hmm. a really very agile topic at that time. I think we had PRLs most every day uh, in, in this field at that time, 20 years back. Yeah, I, I have this PhD in physics, and then I also did an MBA like 10 years ago to, to get a little bit more an overview over all these business and administration topics. So, so from your PhD, you throw in a job CV or a job application to Zeiss and one interview yeah. and you got the job. What yes. was the job that you started with? This was actually uh, an R&D engineer for electron microscopes. So this was in Oberkochen in, in southern Germany. And they were looking for someone developing a new optical concept for an electron microscope at that time. That finally turned out to be what we called the Merlin, was the product name. Okay. Um, that was actually my product. That was the first right. thing. So scanning electron microscopes. Yes, scanning electron microscopes. Had they finished doing transmission when you started at Zeiss? No, no, no. That was five years later, roughly, or seven years later. Okay. And the Merlin, Merlin's still going? It's now it's now called uh, Gemini Sam 460. So uh, there is like several product pairs, but but the column that I develop is still going. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so if you could choose between light microscopes or electron microscopes, which would be your favorite? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a question I will answer. You know, after, <laughs> after electron microscopy, I, I moved to Jena and took care of the light microscopy things. Uh, uh, topics because I, I wanted to you know got, get a broader perspective and my, my my background is more in electron microscopy but I think like life sciences versus material sciences and light microscopy versus electron microscopy I, I, I cannot say which one I prefer really <laughs> I prefer correlative microscopy maybe that's the right answer no it? I was waiting for that to bring yeah. in the correlative <laughs> little snow I was there yeah. <laughs> so how, how did you go from being to the R&D engineering side, how did you move into the management side? I would say the regular way in a sense that I, I, I did 
project leader for, for some time. Um, so bigger projects developing full instruments with, with various disciplines. And then, then you, you, you get to know, you know how, how it works and how to work with people. And, and then two years later, I, I got a group leadership. And, and from then it just progressed. You know, in, in Zeiss, it's actually, um, it, it, you, can, you can go from technical to, to management ladder and, and whatever you find or your superiors find is, is more suitable, uh, you, you can change. And, and I, I, I changed from, from more technical to more management and now only management, of course, or leadership, uh, a different, different phase. Yeah, but I, I really enjoyed having this background. The technical background because microscopy is so deep you know it's it's so i mean it's it's a very old kind of technology but but there is still so much innovation and to keep up with the ideas and innovation and new modalities and stuff i think it's good to have this background do you miss not the rd the arm being being actually doing the r d side not quite because you know i i i still i sit into project reviews um, like the lattice lighting is a good example. That was an ADD project, and we had reviews all the time because these more risky projects um, they get attention up to up to my level um, because you always decide do we still fund it? How, how do we progress? So actually, I don't quite miss it. I'm in a lab quite often with my people and and look at the new innovations very early on to get a feeling. I still feel part of part of the team pretty much. <clears throat> I should have got one of them to come and talk to see how much it is. I wonder how apprehensive they are when they're showing you what they've got or what their next product is from AAT and coming in and waiting for your, I guess, your rubber stamp to carry on or not. They don't want to touch the, 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 the systems anymore. You know, I, I tend to find the bugs and break them, and, and but, but I can still look at them and, and ask questions. That's good. That's it. So you're a good beta tester. Yeah, yeah, alpha, alpha minus. I don't know how it's called. Uh, prototype <laughs> test. So very early on to yeah. uh, to that side of it, then. Uh, so the awards evening was really good. How uh, and and the winning from that. How important is that type of thing for the team internally? I think the 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 big importance. Excellent, externally is really nice because you know you can be so proud because it's it's broadcast. It has very big attention in, in Germany. Um, it's very important or visible for Zeiss as well, not just microscopy, but Zeiss, Zeiss won the prize actually, right? It's, we are one company. Um, for the team, it's even more important, especially for internal purposes. You know, this just puts so much, puts this effort these people did right in the center of, of what people see. And, and I just posted it on LinkedIn the next morning and, and so many people just responded great and that's great product. You know, it's, it, it's a lot of, it, it's a lot of, pride for the people so so these people actually win this thing personally right the the team wins it it's not the company it's the team that wins the prize <clears throat> so 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 the drinks next time we see them are, are on them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, man, they they won the prize right they have they have a budget now maybe they should pay a drink for the others let's see let's see how this works <clears throat> so you want to be a teacher uh yeah. you going to degree if I take you further back to when you were younger than your current children, so maybe the age of 10, when you first start to get an awareness that you may want a job in the future, what was the first job that you can recall wanting to do? Like musician? Um, I was always into music and, and my father was heading music school. So I, I basically grew up somehow between school, football and, and music somehow. So this was, this was really something I, I actually thought about, um, but it's really super tough. I mean, the, the competition is extremely tough and you have to really be completely into it. So that was the first thing, probably. And so that was piano you were playing then? Yes, piano and guitar. Yeah. OK. And so, so when did you decide not to pursue a career? And, and why did you, when did you decide that math physics was the way to go? Math physics, probably when I was 17, 16, 17. Uh, because at that time I decided, you know, for the uh, for the su subject to be part of my final exam, so so it was clear that that will be important, and I I, I like these topics. Um, when did I decide to become a teacher? Really, probably we have one year after. Or at that time, we had one year after school where you had to do a, a social kind of a social job, and you have a lot of time to think about things. Um, and and that was the time when I decided I'll do this. I I, I start with this. It is quite different going from the arts 
to the sciences uh, as a career. It, it's quite a big shift. Yeah, not not so much. There is so many scientists playing really well playing instruments. So so there is something to this, right? You know, left and right side of the brain and 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 and. Uh, mathematical and artist so i'm i'm actually into music like like um paintings is not so much my thing yeah. <laughs> it's really it's really more music well i remember talking to petra schwiller and actually she sent a picture of all the different instruments that she could play which was nuts yeah. absolutely crazy just the amount of different instruments that she could play so did i hear right that you used to play the piano and guitar in a band yes yes that's true i i i we used to play in, in mainly in a, in a small jazz band. Um, and yeah, that, that was actually fun. Yeah, that was good. Like a, a small jazz trio was the main thing, but we also had like played a little bit like dance music and, and, and um, but that was the main thing. Yeah. And, and the other two of the band are still, they are professional musicians. So I'm the only one, I'm the only one who didn't make it at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I bet you're probably doing better career wise. Because you say it's a very hard gig being in the, the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking because Elmi ha has quite often has a live band on the final night. And yeah. well, no. Dance music. <laughs> dance music. <laughs> that was really quick. No. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. With the winnings and the drinks, uh, I'll ask you after a few drinks and see if we can get there. That, that goes better, yeah, probably. Um, so, can I ask, have you had any inspirations in your life? Who has inspired you at different stages of your career? You know, when I when I started my when I did my PhD, it was actually my professor. He he, he was from Austria. He was a very young professor, extremely energetic. I don't know how many nights we spent in the lab during my PhD because we, we basically could only measure during the night you know, uh, because this Bose-Einstein condensate, which I did, are extremely sensitive to everything around you. If, if there is a bus driving or something, it's, it's just disturbing the, the, the experiment. So that was really inspiring because he was, you know, he had so much energy that was just incredible. Now, when I, when I look further, I think now it's more people who have a very special kind of approach to leadership um, or, or maybe even followership. You know, leadership is one thing, but people who really make others follow are people that, that I'm inspired by. That, that's, really, that's really interesting how, how some people are extremely great in this. <clears throat> and any notable people? You know, I... Yeah, as I said, I mean, Markus Obertaler was, was the guy at the university. Um, he's now, he's, he's in, in Heidelberg, uh, still on a similar subject and, and, and doing his, you know, his, his research in science. Uh, here, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say one. I mean, in Zeiss, there is really a lot of great people that, that very different kind of, of leadership styles, also different cultures in the different parts of the, of the, of the business. And it's, it's actually really, it's really interesting to, to look at all these and, and, and learn from different kind of skills and people. So that's actually something that's worth touching on, because you probably have a unique perspective and understanding, actually, which not everyone is able to see or appreciate the difference between not light and electron microscopy. So it's not you know, that that's not so different. The difference between life scientists and material scientists, the way they operate, the way what they expect from instruments, the way you sell instruments to yeah. these two different camps actually from my experience and seeing how they interact even at a scientific conference level they are very very different stereotyping obviously but how there, have you found that there is quite some difference i would say um i see more difference of course between like scientists and in, in university or academia generally and scientists in industry this is this is really shockingly different. So the people have a very similar degree, but the way you're talking to them and what convinces them is so super super different. Um, so normally, I would say as I we we are talking. If you're talking universities, we are talking to really people who understand what they are doing and who are really into microscopy most of the time. So so and they they are extremely well informed. Um, 
in in all different you know all different categories i think there is not such a big difference between materials and life science um but i think that the the way they are looking at things um like one is more heavy on biology the other one more heavy on physics the one is more you know more involving like looking at pictures and fluorescence images which is the preparation is pretty complex the other one is more looking to more fundamental understanding of of what's happening there in terms of physics so i think that the discussions are just different um but the level of you know the level of knowledge in microscopy is is immense it's really immense and that's why our you know our salespeople, if they want to talk to to these customers it's actually one of the toughest jobs you can have right you 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 have such a broad portfolio and and those customers know basically they know everything about what they want to have it's really it's really an interesting a very interesting business i i can't remember if it was yourself or someone else that that one said actually when you launch a product within a few weeks of launching a product there'll be customers that know more about your product than you do that's in terms of applications for sure. I mean, you're, you're developing your product. There is a lot of project management. There is a lot of retiring technical risk and getting this thing alive, you know, get, get all the parts and build it and make it stable and reliable. And then it, at the end, when you have one, you actually do real applications work with customers. Um, that, that's the approach we have. So customers tend to learn very quickly and you tend to learn then from customers that, that that's an interesting phase because until then there is no one else you know <laughs> that knows about such a project uh, really um and then of course the challenge is to have different various customers um like with the lattice light sheet we have we had 10 uh, and and we try to early customers and we try to really learn these applications um and 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 the, the target positioning from these customers it's true uh, people are really informed so how nerve-wracking is it when you launch a product to see if it will sink or swim, if it will be popular or not popular? Uh, I, I think the, it's nerve-wracking after like two years when you look back. The launch is always exciting. It's super exciting, you know, the, especially for the teams. They worked for five years, eight years, two years on a subject. And at the end, it's very intense. Day and night, they are working. And then it's launched. And then normally like there is a big spike in 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 interest but the funding is not yet there very often so so you only see with a yeah. delay you see the economic success of a product people are really excited like it and there is applications coming up and stuff but only after three years looking back typically you know you know does it really hit a broader market and that's where where it's actually really exciting uh, when when we look back and and, and see did you know what we estimated in terms of business potential and application potential? Did it really come true? Unfortunately, you only know it after two years or one year or whatever. Not not immediately. I think that's a really good point you you raised. Uh, quite often there'll be not criticism, but we know this technology that's been innovated, and as scientists you can't get access to it commercially to 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 run it out in a lab because uh, it takes time. But when the product is launched, it still takes twelve months to yep. put in a grant application, get the grant funding, go through a tender process and deliver the product into a lab. And that, that's comfortably 12 months from, from, from the product launch to when you can probably buy it. So the funding model doesn't suit super fast research. Some institutes will be lucky and be able to buy one very early on, but or may have funding for a similar model that they can upgrade or switch to, but there is a delay. Uh, so thinking about speed of innovation, you, you'll, you'll appreciate this. People will say, how can you get, how can you enable quicker access? And you say it can take two years, five years, eight years for a product to get to market. Now, for some technologies, that's eternity. <clears throat> so why does it take so long to get a product to market? It really depends on, on the, you know, on the conceptual like R&D topics on the product. Um, so, so if we have really high-risk projects and products, say with a with a very, you know, rough idea what you want to do and a rough, fully new optical concept, like like the lattice light sheet, um, then then you really start with prototyping and trying to get, a, get retire risks that you know one by one by one, and and normally these don't have huge budgets at the beginning. We try we, we tend to have a funnel 
of ideas, a big funnel of ideas, and and then uh, what we call advanced development is working on these. It's not yet a real, you know, it's not yet a real project. It's 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 technology scouting at the beginning, and then then a typical R and D project. Then once risks are retired and and, and so on, takes like two years on, on average. If you're talking software, that can be much faster, of course. You know, you're, there you're you're talking like agile development um, with sprints. <laughs> like three weeks, four weeks, where you can have something, you know, improved on a shorter time scale. Um, if, if parts are involved and you need to get complex parts from your suppliers, of course, the, the, the scales are different. So it's difficult really to say um, how long on average it takes, but but, but there is just a, there is a big span. So how, so the lattice light sheet, which you have in your background, so if you're listening, sure. uh, yeah. Michael's got some really cool movies going on, which I presume is from the lattice light sheet seven and the lattice light sheet seven behind from start of the project, from scoping to commercializing, how long did that take to get to market? I think roughly now until now, like two years ago, we really launched it. We had a pre-series before that. Um, and for this project, we decided to have a pre-series because that was so new. And, and we wanted to bring it to customers to really learn about applications uh, before we actually have a series production. And, and you mentioned this before, you know, otherwise from really having something until the first people can really get it, just takes too long. Um, so this one was roughly eight years. Eight through years. The whole time, eight years, and, and the main development was probably three years, uh, where we really made it into this nice box back there, right? It, it, it was like a concept, big big system. And, and then the task is to bring it to a, especially with this one, to bring it to a usable, user-friendly box. This was the This was actually the main task of the project team at the end. Yeah, because obviously uh, Eric Betzig was the brainchild behind it in a way, but 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 you kind of turn it up on its head, quite literally. You you turned it on its head uh, and turned it one eighty degrees, which is, makes a fundamental difference to us as an end user, as a biologist. Uh, and Eric, speaking to Eric outside of the podcast or anything else, he was pretty pleased actually to see it get to market and in the way it's been delivered. I think he's probably pretty impressed. With yeah, I, think, well. I, I think so too. And he, he mentioned it before. I mean, um, the, the, the fact that we are getting it, you know, into this kind of geometry, imaging through the glass, basically, which is, which is tough, correcting all these errors and, and, and this in a way that is user-friendly. You can use your normal samples. I think that was the big innovation, actually. You're absolutely right. Um, the, the, the basic principle very often comes from actually our customers or people who have ideas. And we are proud to take these ideas and basically market them. We are not, you know, not necessarily the, the, the most clever people in the world. There are, there are a lot of clever people out there and, and networking with them is good. But I think our engineers have, you know, over, over decades have learned to bring it to a product that finally really works. And, and this, is, this is, I think, what, what, what is so special about this and other, other projects. There is many other examples where the true innovation comes from the customer. Right. And, and what we do is, you know, commercializing it and, 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 and bring it to more people. And I, I think that's really it is the commercialization that makes it accessible to us, which is really important uh, as end users. And that, that's why well, it's why Eric was quite happy to hand it over, because it needs to be commercialized to have an impact across the world, across all the science labs that can get access to it, which is so important to it. So I'm, I'm going to change tack a little bit. <clears throat> it must be exciting. It must be very intense during those sprints and so forth. What do you do in your spare time? No, I I, I, I mentioned I have three kids, right? Um, and I, I really enjoy being out with, you know, at, at concerts or whatever. Um, I do some sports. I, I do cycling. Um, and, and I enjoy doing kite surfing. And unfortunately, you can't do this all the time. Um, but that's really something I actually really like. Yeah, that, that's actually um, on the Baltic Sea that was last last so, year. This picture looks nuts. So this is a picture of a few kite surfers and, and one in the, yes. in the foreground. Is exactly. that you? That's my son. It's it's actually not me. Um, he's he's more crazy than I am nowadays. But but that, that's my son. He 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 started it two years ago or so. Um, so we, I really enjoy spending time, you know, with the kids and 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 uh, or with the family generally. Um, we also like to go camping, like on weekends. Um, we we really like to go out and spend spend the time 
somewhere, not, not far away, just, you know, half an hour drive, a night or two, uh, somewhere out there is something that really helps us relax or helps me relax as well. So Michael, is this all five of you going camping? Not always. Uh, no, no, the kids are grown up, right? Um, so typically, we are three or four. Um, because you, you sent me a picture of, of the coolest camper van. I, and these, so in the UK, these are really trendy and quite cool. I had a really boring caravan compared to, to the camper van. And, and this, what, what, why is, what, what, what's this? It's tiny. This is really, actually, that's really tiny. Uh, that, that's, um, that, that's a trailer. For the camper van, you can only fit two people sleeping in the camper van. That's already, you know, one meter twenty. You, yeah, yeah. You, you need to like the other person if you're sleeping in there. I would say. Um, so we decided to have this trailer, but the trailer cannot be really heavy for this camper van. You can only pull like two hundred kilograms, roughly. And and we just found in Germany, we found a company that does like kits. You can you can buy these kits, and it's a company actually. Normally, they're doing um, water slides for for pools. And it's the same casting technology they are using to, to do this thing. And then, then they, they supply you a big kit. You, you work for, I don't know, two weeks, and then you get it certified and, and you can use it. It's another one meter 20. Uh, so, so you can fit, I can fit four people now without the tent. So you, you built yes. the, 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 the mini caravan. Or, yes. or... Yeah, you have to build it. Yeah, and, and I also spent quite some time in trying to repair the other thing there. Uh, trying to repair the camper van. Um, you, it, it's tough to find people who know the technology still. It's, it's really simple. Once you work your way into it, it's, it's not difficult to repair it. And I have some friends, you know, who have similar cars, uh, like Beatles, exactly the same technology, and they, we help each other. I, I can see the engineering background coming to you. They are super cool, though. Yeah. And so you go away for just into the countryside or do you have any particular area is it to go kite surfing or do you take it to go walking cycling where's your sort of target area that you go to going out you know it's just it's just we really like to you know leave the normal environment and just go out into nature and and or uh, like a camping place somewhere um just for walking normally just for walking because there is kite surfing is, is is difficult you have to drive at least an hour from where i live and there is not a lot of wind so you you have to be really lucky if you can combine it um the car only goes maybe 70 kilometers an hour which is 40 miles so it's not not so fast so the the, the range is not so big okay so <laughs> moving sideways again uh, we talked about your inspirations what do have you had any really challenging times at work what's been the most challenging time in your career to date oh today is not the right that suggests you're going to get really big challenges up front what has been the most challenging time you've ever encountered i hope there will be more challenging up front so the biggest one the biggest one actually was when we we combined light microscopy and electron microscopy like 10 years ago a little bit more maybe and and these were completely different siloed like parts of the company um, not in one business unit. Um, and, and this was a big challenge in terms of culture to bring these two together. You mentioned before, like material scientists and life scientists, you know, people working on electron microscopy and, and light microscopy, that their background is completely different. And if you want to really integrate them, that takes quite some time. And I, I actually, I under, underestimated the time it took. And then what came along with it was, of course, a little bit of a restructuring internally. So we, we, you know, we moved like production sites because we had several production sites, too many actually. So we, we had to, you know, find new jobs for people with all within size. But but these kind of things are, are tough. Change processes are really tough for people. Um, but finally, I think we are, you know, we are through it since quite some years. And and now now it's it's you know it's it's going upwards again. But it was the right thing to do and it was only a positive thing to do this combination but it always every change takes some time and that's what i really learned there it takes you know at least two three years until you know you're really accommodating to a bigger change when did you have any doubts at any point that this was the right thing to be doing no not no not really um because you know we were talking about correlative microscopy for quite some time and customer were and mm -hmm. If you don't really bring the teams together into one environment, having this shared targets, you know, the same kind of leadership, the same processes, you will not be able on the longer run to really combine technologies to for a you know for a better imaging at the end or access to new 
to, to new applications. So that was the driver. That was always the driver. Um, at the beginning, people had a little bit problem with it because the, the amount of correlative microscopy uh, compared to just life sciences or just electron and just light microscopy was really low. Uh, but only now it can actually grow because we are we are putting everything on one software platform that you have these targets, you know, bringing everything into one system so it can be used simultaneously. Um, so I, I never doubted that it was, you know, that it was right. But there is always felt like winners and losers in such a thing. You know, people need to, you know, change jobs or change locations. Or It's always tough. I think looking back, most of the people would say it was, of course, it was the right thing at that time. Maybe they would have said differently. So, actually, for the listener, this is probably worth knowing. How many staff are employed in Zeiss microscopy, and how many were Yeah, roughly three thousand um, in in microscopy worldwide. So, our, the businesses at Zeiss are basically set up as fully responsible entities, um, and they have they have like everything from R and D production, and then especially also the representatives in all the countries, which we call sales and service companies. Mm -hmm. um, so all these people are, are roughly 3,000 people in microscopy. So you can see that making change is never going to be easy when you've got to keep 3,000 people feeling unthreatened. Because I'd imagine there must some people must have felt quite threatened at the time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And and sometimes you don't even have a sense for who you know who has a hard time with this and who doesn't have a hard time. It's not always the people who obviously are threatened or might feel threatened. It's 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 also people who are just they, they just cannot cope with change, even if it's a small change. You know, if in, in sales, for example, you just get a broader portfolio, I think you, you should say it's great, right? Um, if you combine those two technologies. On the other hand, it's a lot to learn. You have to talk to customers that are, of, you know, of a very different different kind, and they, they know maybe more than you do at the beginning. So, yeah, it's, it's actually not so easy to find out who might be threatened or who might feel threatened. You have to be extremely close to the people in order to find this out and not lose the people, even in the, even in a, you know, what you might consider a small change. That, that one was a big one, but we had small ones as well, uh, where you sometimes may think, okay, that's, that cannot be so tough, but for some people it actually really is. That's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, do you think it's, everything is settled now and steadied and now more iterative rather than one big bang of bringing yeah. things together? Exactly, and you saw it with, with COVID as well. It was interesting how people reacted to to COVID, to to know complete change within you know within days, <laughs> changing the work environment, um, working from home. Of course, that's that's for some it's tough to accommodate. Uh, others feel like winners of such a situation. So, yeah, it's always always so, it's it, it's a leadership task, big one. So here's an so you're a, a big international company. We read about big international companies in newspapers and about how. Some companies have remained as a mix of hybrid working, working from home, working in the office. How, how, and I, I, I know historically, Zeiss was definitely working office atmosphere before COVID. It's very much, you don't work from home, you, you work in the office. How are things now? Things are no, pretty open, I would say. So we have a, we, we call it mobile work. It's not home office, um, because it, for us, it's important to bring the people together from time to time. Uh, rough, I, I would say, on average, it's probably 50-50 now. Um, for some people, it's more. For some people, it's they cannot work from home. Like in production, it's really impossible. Yeah, of course. Uh, service people cannot work from home. They have to be at the customer side oh, most of the time if you don't do remote service. But yeah, I would say 50-50 roughly. But what we say is whenever the, we have those team days, right? So we try, when the people are in, some are always in, but when people are coming in, we, we try to make sure that the team aligns such that it's really quality time for the teams to really discuss. So there, there is just no point in people sitting in front of their computers all day in the office anymore, right? This is not the thing. So they should meet in front of prototypes or like, like discussing product specifications between marketing and product management and R&D. These things are extremely helpful if you sit together. Other, other tasks can be done from, you know, from wherever you are. Yeah, we are now in a mix. I, I think it's a good. I, I think it's a good practice. Actually, we need. We still need to meet. I'm, I'm fully convinced that this is for an innovative company that brings together mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, software engineers, and then application people. You know, and you need to discuss these things in, in, in especially in R and D, but also best best practice sharing for 
you know, I'm in the demo lab today. People need to, you know, they, they need to, to, to discuss, you know, how, how do you do this? How do you prepare the sample? If everyone works for himself, that will, it, it just, you lose so, so much. I, I think there's a lot of corridor chat where ideas, inspirations, problems are solved. It's just that, and, and you don't bump into people when you're working mobile. You know, when, when you're working in a home office, you, you're not going to just bump into someone and have a chance conversation that could be the next big thing. But at the same time, there's so many meetings that are via Zoom or Teams or whichever that actually you don't get to bump into people when you go into work. <laughs> you can sit in front of your laptop, talk all day and then go home again and not have seen anyone because you're just committed. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess the, I guess the focus and making sure there are focused meetings. Yeah, we have these system days, for example, we call them the system days. So it's a full day discussing about a project. And this, this is not remote. This is on, you know, in, in the office or in the lab. These are super important. And then you have, I mean, what people also really value is the, the, the lunch together. We have a great canteen in, 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 in all our like sites. And there you bump into people, right? You bump into people from other business units. You, you bump into colleagues from other departments of your own business unit. And many people go for lunch. And, and, and also many of them have a walk after lunch. Um, and, and that's that's actually where things happen, or typically, you know, in front of the coffee machine, wherever you, you get a sense of the team again, um, and not not a sense of teams in your computer. You know, it's it's different. Yeah. It's really different. Hey, so, so moving from challenging times, making things, what has been probably the the best time, the highlights of your career so far? No, the, it's really the highlights are always if you accomplish something with your team. You know, I mean, my job, at least now my job is to to try to give vision um, to to generate a multi multi year vision for 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 the for the company, and then the highlight. If if I feel if if things you know people are working walking into one direction, like understand what what the strategy is about, and then you have these small successes, getting you know getting you on your way. Those are the small. Not not super big highlights, but those are the most important highlights I, I have basically every day. Um, the the biggest highlight as such, it's difficult to say. I mean, last week was great. Um, that was the most visible highlight we probably I had in my career actually, or we had as a team microscopy uh, in size. Um, there is so many highlights. That's a good thing about my job actually. Many highlights. <laughs> we won't worry about the low lights. Uh, okay, so so maybe another. Okay, what has been the most untime? You know, is that through your undergraduate, your PhD, uh, when you were R&Ding now? If you could relive one year, Groundhog Day, time and time and time again, yeah. what was the most sort of enjoyable time? The, the most enjoyable time probably was during the PhD because there was so much. I mean, that was such a great team. And we were working during the night and then during the day we, we, we couldn't. And, and the, I think the biggest highlight was we had to move our experiments from Konstanz to Heidelberg because the you know my professor he moved to Heidelberg so we 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 pulled we, we disassembled the whole you know optical table two optical tables of optics put it into boxes bring it up again and the first time we had this pose answer condensate again after a few stupid mistakes yeah, we put in some optical modules the right way the wrong way and you would never find it you know that that was that was just amazing so we, we we only lost three months moving. That was that was a super highlight. That's pretty efficient. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so uh, PC or Mac? PC. McDonald's or Burger King? Oh, none. <laughs> <laughs> do your children not like either? Yeah, they no, they yeah, they they sometimes do, but I I actually really don't. Okay. Uh, if you were to, if you were at a conference, yes, uh, or, or if you were to be taken, if you, you've gone somewhere and, and they take you out for dinner, what would be the best food that they could put in front of you? Local, local food, wherever I am. I always ask for local food. Okay, you, you haven't done much in Britain then. You might not choose local. Chips from time to time is, is great, right? <laughs> Especially if you're in a like going to a football stadium, fish and chips is great. <laughs> it really <laughs> depends on where you are. Uh, and what about is there anything you don't eat that you do think, oh no, I, I really don't like that? No, 
not really. Wow. Oysters, maybe. Oysters. I, 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 I can eat them, but I, I don't really like it. Okay. That's fair enough. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Short or long? Coffee. Long. Long. Ah, short. <laughs> I, I actually didn't manage to, to switch on the coffee machine here in the demo lab. So I, I'm, I'm with water. <laughs> I have water too. <laughs> of course. Uh, wine or beer? Wine. Red or white? Red. Any particular region? Grape? Style? Rioja. Okay. That's a good choice. Chocolate or cheese? Cheese. Hey, early bird or night owl? No, absolutely early bird. Yeah, so what time do you rise? 6.30, roughly, which is not super early, but I, yeah, but I, I don't waste time in the morning at all. I, I, I start working as soon as possible. I don't have breakfast normally. I just grab a coffee and start. <clears throat> uh, in the evenings, I, I, need, I need some time to relax, and that's the evening for me, not the morning. Uh, so, so in the evening when you're relaxing, do you watch TV? Do you read a book? Actually, we now now maybe changing a little bit, but we we try to have a, a not a big but dinner together with the kids, pretty extended. Mm -hmm. one, you know, in terms of time, everyone comes in the evening and and would be talking about their day. Um, I, I I don't watch so much TV. I must say. Um, if I watch TV, I, I watch like documentaries, um, how to repair cars, for example. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, and what about, do you read books? I do. Yes, I do. I do. But, but not super. I mean, I, 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 I like to read like leadership books a lot, like, like with, with the pretty deep content. Uh, from time to time, I read you know, other books as well. Um, but again, I try to go out more. I, I try to move. When I have time, I try to move. That's important to me. So, so when do you, you said you go cycling for fitness and stuff. When do you say, is that evenings you go cycling? Yeah, uh, evenings or weekends. Uh, it really depends. If in, in summertime, you know, when, the, when it's bright until 10, sometimes in the evenings, uh, otherwise weekends. Or to so, work. So, staying on books and TV, uh, what's your favorite film? It's like, you, you may love it. It's uh, Life of Brian. It was always, my, it's so funny. I love it. My, my kids can't hear the, the jokes anymore. Uh, <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, I, yeah we've got, actually, I watched it. Uh, we have Chris Gavin. You may know Chris Gavin. Uh, he came over and we watched Life of Brian together. And yeah, I, I think the children struggle with the humor. Yes, absolutely. The first and second time, at least. Uh, they, they get used to it, third and fourth time. But yeah. <laughs> I think you've got to be the right age. I think I was probably 17, 18 the first time I watched it. And, and yeah, I, I thought it was a great film at the time. So Life of Brian was an excellent choice. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really into it. Not more, big on. More, my son, more my son. And do you have a favourite Christmas film? Uh, yeah, actually, Dinner for One. And it's not Christmas. That's not I don't have a favourite Christmas film. No, I don't. Dinner for one? Yeah, that's that's uh, like no, uh, yes, New Year's. It's I, English. It's an English thing, yes. Yes, it is. But in Germany, everyone looks at and watches it. Yeah, and no one in Britain's ever seen it. I don't think. Really? I didn't yeah, it's, it's not a thing over here at all. No, but we know it's a big thing in Germany. Every New Year's Eve, every hour, you can watch it on on the on television. I, I'm not. Yeah, I don't even, I, I need to look up how to even watch it. And yeah, you probably. Yeah, no, I, I really, I do need to do, <laughs> have a look. Because, yeah, as you say, everyone in Germany, it's a yeah. big thing. Not a big thing over here. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> Moving back into other things. We've, we've talked a lot about, obviously, the career of becoming, wanting to be a teacher, uh, going into Zeiss. But did I also read that you had your own company? You founded your own company at one point. Yeah, that was that was when I'm, I was still at school. I, I designed and built speaker cabinets for like PA systems, like for bands, right? That was we needed one, and and my uncle actually had a had a company, uh, 
that design speakers. And 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 I I I got some speakers from him and then got some you know software from him and then started to build my own ones. Um, but I just did this for three or four years. Uh, I, I stopped it when I was into my studies at some point. And you were selling that to other bands or other pubs or other like- bands, other like 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 public rooms or discos or these kind of things, yeah. And was that pocket money or was it a serious income? It, it could have been a serious income if I would have invested more time. I, I just did one a month or so uh, just, just to limit, you know, to limit the effort. Um, and I didn't do any marketing. So what came, came and what didn't come, didn't come, you know. Um, I, I just, you know, I, maybe I did like 15, 20 pairs of maybe 30 um, systems installations. So you had the PA, you should have teamed up with uh, Scott Fraser, who makes his own home amplifiers. Oh, he does. Oh, that's cool. I, I do the, the, you know, more the backend stuff. That's good. Yeah. So, so to combine it, yes. it could be, could be quite good. Yeah. Uh, you, you also mentioned that you uh, enjoy soccer. Uh, so, yes. so you sent me this image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was hey, that. Hey, what is the, where are you here? This is this huge. Is- no, I mean that's the biggest stadium. Um, that's Barcelona. It was that was uh, last year on our. We we actually did a camper trip down to Spain uh, for two weeks, and and Barcelona was the most southern point we were. And and I went to to the stadium with my son. It was cool. Hundred thousand people, completely crazy. Normally I'm in a small stadium, which is very close to my hometown. It's Heidenheim. It's the second German league. Um, probably ten times smaller than that, but still, still a lot of fun. Is it all your sons that watch it? Is it a family thing or just one or two of your sons? It, it, I have one son. Um, actually, sometimes, oh, I, sometimes <laughs> my, my, my daughters join as well. Um, but this is more with my son, you know. With my, with my daughters, uh, or, or, uh, I, I more go into like um, uh, concerts. That's more, that's more the thing for them, you know. And what sort of concerts? Everything. No, really everything from from jazz to classics, hip hop. I, I love hip hop. Um, everything. There is no, there is nothing we don't try. You no, know, we always say it's better in any concert. It's better than on the sofa at home. Always. So I presume, you know, if you're going to hip hop and dance and stuff like that, then you must be moving, standing up and moving and dancing. <laughs> yes, I do, but I, I'm not good. I'm really not good in this. But I, I, <laughs> I, I get up and move. Yes. So again, at Elmi, when we have the live band, everyone gets up and dances. Okay, so see. maybe I should come next time again. We, we, we have to get you up there at some point. Uh, oh, I've got lost. So you, you also said you have, uh, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have just flicked that picture because that just makes it look like I've got really weird ears. Oh, yes. You also have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's our dog. We, we have her since four years. Um, and I actually spent quite some time um walking and she's always a good excuse to you know go out and 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 have a have a a longer walk that's really good it's it's uh it really really brings more activity into your life at all must say i just can't believe that that's that just yeah (laughs) that that was a bad positioning for me to be sitting up to when i put that picture on so do you walk the dog in the morning as well as the evening or just the evening Normally, I mean, when I'm not traveling, I try to do it in the morning. Um, so when I get up, I get up, go out, take a cup of coffee, and 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 if there is a, not a really early appointment, can I, I I do it in the morning? In the evening, normally there is no time. Okay, so coming back into work uh, and the work environment, is there anything that frustrates you that you wish it, it not frustrates you because? It, it, it's something that can't happen, but is there, anything, is there any, pro, any processes that frustrate you at work that you wish didn't exist, but have to exist? I'm not sure they have to exist. I mean, in such a bigger company, you have a lot of, of course, processes, like from R&D process to everything. And and sometimes if if people, you know, complain that the process is holding them back, although the process should just be something that should help them frustrates me honestly um and and we are trying to streamline these and and we have you know i don't know the the how many versions of the r d process we had 
just to try to make sure that you can capture small projects that have a big burden on such a process and, and big projects that actually are, for example, like process that need uh, FDA uh, uh, certification, you know, that much different kind of documentation. And and these kind these things really frustrate me. If, if you hold back innovation for processes that are not important, uh, important, but they, that are not efficient, let's put it that way. Yeah. Something that's, and, and that happens from time to time. And sometimes you are in a tunnel and you don't even see it any longer, you know? Um, and then looking back and people tell you that could have been like a year earlier. <laughs> that's really, that's really bad. Just because of the process of getting it certified and out. Yeah, especially, yeah, ex exactly. And you have these gate, gate reviews, you know, and, and I, I don't want people to spend so much time preparing for these and documenting, but some really do and they feel they have to and, and they spend, you know, too much time in overhead. Um, that is at the end not valued by the customer. You know, you wouldn't, you, you want a stable product. So we need a, you know, we need a process, a good process which makes sure that we have quality and, you know, we always have software bugs, but, you know, limited and, and some you can, you can, you can handle. Um, yeah, but that, that's something in a big company that you really have to learn this, that, that there is much more than just a few R&D guys doing something, you know, just the decision until you decide what you do is already a process. <laughs> and when I had my own company, I just, you know, I built something and I built it and, and two days later it was there. So um, I had to get a little bit more patient when I came to, to such a company. So I asked you what you wanted to be when you when you were 10, a teacher, and then obviously we can see how you came into where you are today. Yeah. In another 20 years, where would you like to be? I have I have no plan. Honestly, I have no plan. And that was always a success criterion, I think, for me. It's I think it's good if you are for the time you are here, you are here, right? You don't work for the next step. It, it, eventually something will happen always right but but i think as long as you're you're having you know fun with what you're doing people will notice this if you're only there for you know showing successes to to do something else it's not not the thing so i'm enjoying actually what i do i, I actually always enjoyed what i did uh, and i i i do it until a new kind of challenge comes up so i i really have no plans i I've, i don't think i've ever asked this of a guest actually and i think why i haven't i've only just thought of the question if you could have a, a year sabbatical and step into someone else's job yeah. of anything, yes. what would you like to go and sample just to get a feel for it, to know what it's like in that environment? I would, I would actually love to work in a startup that has a big purpose, you know, like either in the more biological field or in environmental field. Um, I, I was actually pretty, you asked me before, people that inspired me. I was two weeks ago, I was in South Africa for this African microscopy initiative. Maybe you heard of it. Yeah. And one of our customers, actually, um, Leong Ju, he started this with his idea, right? And then, then he brought these big foundations behind him, like, and Jan Zuckerberg and, yeah. And Gates Foundation, exactly. And he really implemented something in a, in a kind of a startup approach, you know, something really, really big and fundamental and, and sustainable. That that's something that's something that if you look back, you know, in thirty years, <laughs> I think that would be something that that you keep in mind that 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 you you have you you leave your footprint, and that would be something you have to find something of course like this. You have to really have energy for something like this. But that would be something I would I would try to do at least. And that's a I, I think actually they've got a really hard job in, in delivering what their vision is across Africa in a sustainable way yeah I, I think that there's there's many complexities behind it so actually we talked about frustrations in the workplace i think leong is going to encounter and he probably already has encountered some frustrations but i think with karen jacobs and everyone else i think they're going to encounter more and more quite high walls to get over i think even within europe and the americas north americas it, it there are still walls yeah. in the way of the best practice yeah and i think they they, they are they're going to have even bigger walls to break down yeah, but the only way to improve is to try i think oh, and yes. that's, that's a big attempt it's it's really a big one it's not the one it's a one person's idea 
but it's now a, a big multi-year initiative. Um, and and we are really happy to support this. You know, we 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 will install instruments at remote sites as well, like like demo equipment, which we which has been used, or customer equipment actually. Sometimes customer feedback equipment will put it free of charge and service it and install it and try to give just to give access. And I think if there is a few successes um, in other, you know, other parts of Africa, I mean, South Africa is strong, but then, you know, no matter where you look, it's really, it's really not strong from a scientific perspective. And if you can do small steps, I think that's already something. I mean, they cannot solve their own problems. And that's, I mean, scientifically, they could. Um, if we just make it attractive for them to stay in Africa, the good people as well. Yeah, and attract good people into yeah, it's true. Africa. And, and, you know, we only have to look at uh, the likes of China. And India, actually, one way is to actually attract good scientists in, and that then develops that culture of top science and attracts top science and more funding and, and then becomes more sustainable. Yeah. So um, it's a great I think it's a great initiative. We'll do we'll do a lot to support it. It's uh, it's important. Uh, we are very nearly up to time, and there's one area we haven't touched on. Uh, and I, I usually ask, where do you see the future going? But actually, I think a big thing. Zeiss is a, a hardware company historically. How much do you see big data, artificial intelligence, intelligence, machine learning? Where do you see your role in that? It's actually big, and and the transformation is ongoing, right? If if you look back five years, six years, seven years, we, we were extremely hardware. You say hardware, hardware heavy in terms of R and D as well. So we probably had eighty percent hardware people and twenty percent software people, but honestly, most more or less system control yep. <laughs> software people. We are switching to fifty fifty. That that's that's the goal. Everyone knows this. Um, because it's so important, especially with instruments that are, you know, pro they, they are providing more and more data and nobody can look at this data. If you, those crazy projects like um, um, this uh, brain reconstruction uh, projects, you know, the, the human brain project, which is done with an MSEM, um, yeah. with several or with whatever technology, you know, with a nan few nanometers resolution and, and the brain is really a big thing. And then you want to link, find all the links. So this is, no one can do this. So this is, first of all, you know, throwing away the data you don't need is I think the first challenge. And you need a lot of intelligence for this as well, because storing too much data is just, it's just not helping. Mm -hmm. uh, and then evaluating, like using uh, artificial intelligence to, to evaluate these images um, is of course, is extremely important. And uh, we have systems today that if, if you just let them run uh, and, and just, yeah, just use with this one, two cameras and let them run for a day, most every hard drive will be full, you know, uh, with images. You know? <laughs> so that's a big one. It's really a big one. And, and um, I'm really happy that also customers drive this uh, innovation, you know, that that's a joint. And, you know, also infrastructures in universities is important for this. It's, it's not oh, just it's if you're talking correlative microscopy, we also want to be open to microscopy like modalities that we don't have at size. You know, you want to to correlate, I don't know what, you know, X-ray fluorescence images. You know, we don't have these and we don't, you know, we don't want to necessarily expand our portfolio, but we need to make sure that you can handle all the data and bring it together. So I think in terms of open architecture, in terms of all these, you know, intelligent ways of processing data i think we, we need to be open and we need to progress for sure and i think it's where maybe different companies need to, across different platforms need to talk together yeah. as well to help the scientists Absolutely. answer the questions because at the moment it, it's very difficult like we are probably just over the hour oh, yeah that, that's gone super super fast i'm sorry michael thank you so much for taking your time to join us today uh thank you for plugging half the podcast because as you just mentioned with the the, the brain uh, with jack Blitburn, obviously is one of the leads on that uh, and Mark Ellisman, so other podcast guests, which you nicely brought up somehow along the way, along with Eric and so forth. Uh, but everyone who's listened, I hope you found this really fascinating and different uh, to some of the other podcast guests that we've had. And Michael, thank you so much. I think still equally inspirational and showing different career paths and how, how to progress a career and the complexities 
that you have to deal with and actually you still seem quite chilled and, and yes yeah, they're not, they're not they, don't seem, they don't seem like challenges to you they just seem like a way of working it, it, it's yeah you're too at ease <laughs> yeah thanks peter and thank that there was a really short hour so thanks for making this such a such a great discussion Pleasure. So everyone, thank Michael. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone. And don't forget to subscribe to whichever channel you're listening to and go listen to some of the other microscopists. Michael, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio podcast sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. To view all audio and video recordings from this series, please visit bitesizebio.com forward slash the microscopists.